Welcome back to another week, one and all. I'm John Adarillo, this is The Damage Report, and we are joined on this fine, fantastic Monday by the host of The Bituation Room, Francesca Fiorentini. Francesca, how's it going? I'm good, I was gonna subject everyone to a Christmas song, but then I just, so many came at me so quickly. And I couldn't like fran one up quick enough. So if everyone yeah. could just fran up a Christmas song, that'd be great. Just do your own song. What what was your what what does your gut say? What's I was gonna do Christmas it's song? the most fantastic time of the it doesn't work. I'm sorry. It kind of works. Yeah. Uh she's a mean one, Mama Grinch. There you go. Uh, um, we could go with that. Anyway, um, yes, sometimes it's hard to do that sort of uh freestyling. I will also say that in in line with you having trouble coming up with songs. Um, everyone watching the show, thank you for tuning in. Uh, but you messed up because I'm all over the place mentally today. I feel like I've been hit with Havana syndrome, something <laughs> like my brain isn't functioning. So, so I don't know what's gonna happen. You're making it up. <laughs> I'm making it all up as I go along. There's a lot of really fascinating news, don't get me wrong. And not only fascinating news, but Fascinating developments perhaps starting to percolate inside of the GOP primary. Dun, dun, dun. I know that I'm way too excited about polling, but there's a fascinating, utterly fascinating poll that came out today that we're gonna be breaking down. Wadab <laughs> says Inglewood syndrome, 100%. I mean, I don't live there or anything, but anyway, um, yes. So a lot going on, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, hit the like button, share the stream, send us your comments. We're still giving out Blue Apron gift cards and you have a chance to get one with a good enough comment. Good enough. Also by the way, good, good enough. You know, Very Cindy Lauper, good enough. Or that's well, not how it goes. It's a good song, it's so Goonies. Um, yeah, it is. See, she can come up with that song, yeah. but not a Christmas song. No Carol of the Bells coming out of this bell. But anyway, um, I don't remember what I was gonna say. Anyway, uh, that's gonna send those comments and we'll respond as we go. It was gonna be something good, but as, well, as I, I said, Havana John, syndrome. Before we jump into this, I just wanna plead with all the wonderful Dragon Squad. You guys, you girl over there on the Bituation Room podcast, which is my show at, on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Franny Fio, F-R-A-N-I-F-I-O, almost has 50,000 subscribers. Now I know to nice. a channel like this, that doesn't seem like a lot, but for little old me working independently by my lonesome with a cup, just a couple people, wonderful people, that is a huge milestone. If I can get to 50,000 by the end of the year, my goodness, that would be so amazing. That would so, be great. In your spare time, in a break from this show, go subscribe to my YouTube channel at Franny Fio. Get the habituation room into your eye holes and your ear holes and all those things. And thank you so much in advance. And now don't wait for a break or anything. You can multitask. If you're on you a computer, multitask. open up another tab. If you're on YouTube, it'll still autoplay this video as you browse over to her channel. And if you're on Twitch, that's cool too, but, but also go over on YouTube. So you have no excuse. Also, I remember what I was gonna say. Yeah. So, Every year, one of our top 10 lists that we do for our tier two and tier three members is to make predictions about what's gonna happen that year. And the year's done now. So we are going to review our predictions and see how accurate Francesca and I were. And so that'll be coming up a little bit later on for our members. And we'll be making predictions for 2024 coming up in just a few weeks. So definitely become a member so you can see that. 2024 is gonna be a really consequential year. And hopefully our predictions will be just as consequential. Now with all of that said, Francesca, you ready to do this thing? Wait, do we have to do predictions today or next no, week? No, 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 we're reviewing our predictions oh, from God. January today. Cuz I am not prepared for next year yeah. at all. But yes, Someone I'm excited to review the year. Yes, someone should have explained all of this in the email I sent out last night. Anyway, someone should have. 
Yes, yeah, someone should have, I did. Okay, so with that said, every Monday, you never know what we're gonna have had to have faced throughout the weekend. Sometimes we've got a menace. In this case, we've got a pretty bad one. Take a look. <laughs> We got a lot of work to do. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. They poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, not just the three or four countries that we think about, but all over the world. They're coming into our country from Africa, from Asia, all over the world. They're pouring into our country. Nobody's even looking at them. They just come in. Uh, the crime is going to be tremendous. The terrorism is going to be terrorism is going to be. And we built a tremendous piece of the wall. Yeah, so once again, Donald Trump showing that my predictions that he would never read a book in his life, not true. He has read some, they were written by fascists. And he's using little notes that he took out of there to sprinkle into his stump speeches. So once again, the blood of the nation will be poisoned by these dirty foreigners who are coming in to make you sick and probably kill you. It's a message that we have heard from Donald Trump before, from other fascists before here and outside of the United States as well. It is designed to get the followers of these wannabe dictators to not see migrants as fully American, certainly fully human even. That is the point. And he knows that because he's used this line before, a couple months ago. And at the time it was pointed out, this is just straight Nazi language. And he chose to use it again. He liked it so much, by the way, that he put it up on Truth Social after that speech. Once again, specifically poisoning the blood of our nation. And then implying that every migrant comes from prisons and mental institutions. Mm-hmm. Not you know desperate people fleeing in some cases the inevitable outcome of American foreign policy over the past few decades. And so this is who he is. He knows that it's Nazi language. He knows that his fans like that it's Nazi language. Francesca, what do you make of it? Yeah, he's got to one up himself. I mean, yes, ultimately he is a Nazi. He is a white supremacist. He believes in this language, um, but he's Donald Trump and he knows he's got to compete for headlines and he can't just Build the wall, build the wall, or a Muslim ban again. That stuff's old. No, we gotta outdo ourselves. We gotta outfash ourselves. We gotta pull, you know, take the mask off even more, or put the hood on even, you know, even tighter. And so you have this kind of language. And so it is simultaneously a very real call to effectively criminalize the mentally ill. Um, that's super Nazi, right? Criminalize, of course, prisoners uh, who've already been criminalized, but even more so, right? Say that these people are, um, you know, they're discarded from society. They don't belong among us, right? They don't actually believe in, uh, you know, they're, they're fundamentally um, backwards, right? That's mm-hmm. that's part of all of that. And so he believes all that stuff, but he also knows that this is what, and again, we should be talking about this, but this is what, you know, mainstream news is also going to talk about and so he is like sort of you know hitting two birds with one stone in this case and it's terrifying um we know we talked about project 2025 on my show the habituation room recently and it is yeah a heritage foundation a right wing think tank foundation uh, excuse me think tank that has laid out a plan to create Trump as a new Caesar, right, as a dictator and he is leaning into that fully um with this and yeah I don't know, John. I don't like 
<laughs> I don't I, like what what else can we say, right? I think mm-hmm. do you, here's my question. I think this is this is attractive to his hardcore base, but I think to some maybe they liked the idea that it wasn't fully out in the open. Um just like people have been rep- voting for Republicans for many, many decades, the, those well, I mean, who paved yeah. the way for this. I think it depends on who you talk about. Um, his base, I mean, if if they wanted to demonstrate that they don't like this sort of thing, they've been provided with a few opportunities over the years. At this point, if you're still on the Trump train, it's because you like the stuff the conductor's barking at you. Mm-hmm. And this is what he has been saying, okay? Um, and it just, it reminds me, I was watching John Oliver from this weekend. He was talking about Elon Musk, but he was showing video of Nick Fuentes talking to some other Nazi or whatever about how normalized white supremacy has become. That was focusing mm-hmm. on Elon Musk's effect on it with what he's done to Twitter. But look at this. This is just this is just Nazi white supremacist stuff. That's all it is. And we'll get annoyed by it. Everyone in media understandably will get annoyed by it. We'll talk about it. And he'll just keep doing it because there are no significant immediate consequences for it. The Republican Party is not going to turn against him. Chris Christie, as we'll show you, might criticize him. And then that's pretty much it. President over the weekend gave some, uh, had a speech, huge rally, unbelievably, uh, unbelievable crowd in New Hampshire. They didn't like his rhetoric. He was talking about the border. He was talking about people coming from other countries, coming from prisons. And they wanted to focus all the Sunday shows, Lawrence, on the word they used, poison. He was just trying to say, we want to keep America, America. We want to build up the border and find out who's coming in and out. And they tried to say that this language was the problem. It is a problem. It's literally Nazi speak. Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade has criticized Trump occasionally in the past. He's supposed to be, compared to other Fox hosts, a little bit reasonable, maybe a little incurious, a little ignorant in general of history and all of that. But this is this is at best willful ignorance about the sort of language that Trump is using. When you're talking about poisoning the blood of a nation. That's that's just straight Hitler stuff. That's all it is. I'm sorry. He, oh, he's just talking about the border. That's all. Why do you get so mad? He wants to solve problems. So he says final solution. Why are you getting down on him on language? Mm-hmm. Language matters, buddy. It definitely matters in this case. And in particular, the brushing off of trying to smear all migrants as being ins- people who broke out of the insane asylum or that got out of prison somehow. This again. Because everything has to be a conspiracy theory. Every single migrant is not coming to America, perhaps to safeguard their life or have better economic opportunities or make a better life for their kids. No, they've all been let out of prisons across Latin and South America and then shipped to the border. Because everything has to be the craziest, most conspiratorial version of itself. But just in case, John, you thought it was about the Americas, he made sure to include Asia and Africa as well. He is racist against all of them, and he's, you know, ginning up xenophobia against anyone who isn't white. To say nothing of the Asians, Africans, and Latinos who are American. U.S. born or naturalized or live here or just like. It is, yeah, it's dangerous. And you know, I can't, because I always go here, because we are still in the midst of a war raging uh, on Gaza. Um, 
I can't help but think about language, right? And this conversation over language as people criticize the Israeli government and say, I believe in Palestinian human rights and are then told that that language is somehow anti-Semitic. Here we have a rabid anti-Semite, racist, xenophobe saying exactly what he believes. And the right, who will call the left anti-Semites no matter what they say, is saying, "Oh, what do you mean? It's the same thing. Well, he's just, all he's talking about is the border. Don't get your panties in a bunch, right? It's the same thing we've heard from, this is how this gets whitewashed, right? And sure, it's kill, kill me today. But tomorrow, it could be NPR. Do you know what I'm saying? Tomorrow, it's mainstream news. It's like, yeah. what I think he's saying ultimately is that we should have strong borders. And I think he's saying, and it's like, no, 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 that's not what he's saying. But you see the way this gets laundered and normalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You you need to think about how this is being received by the yeah. the rural Americans in Cracker Barrels around the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It hasn't reached the point of NPR yet, but you know, again, Kilmeade is not Sean Hannity. He's supposed to be slightly more reasonable than that, and here he's running cover for, as you say, a raging anti-Semite. Now, uh, there are responses that are more critical. The Biden campaign put out a statement saying tonight Donald Trump channeled his role models as he parroted Adolf Hitler, praised Kim Jong-un and quoted Vladimir Putin while running for president on a promise to rule as a dictator and threaten American democracy. They point out that he echoed the grotesque rhetoric of fascist and violent white supremacists, which is all true and that's good. Biden has to say this sort of thing, but we are in the middle of a campaign. And so I care way less about the statement that you put out and more about what you are doing to stop that guy from becoming president again. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I don't get to decide who wins this. I have very little effect on it. Francesca, love you, doesn't get to decide <laughs> who wins next election. But Biden's pretty instrumental in determining who becomes president again. And so if this guy is the proto dictator that you say you believe he is, then you better be doing everything you can to stop him from getting into office. And we'll be talking a bit more about the Biden side of this later on. I will just sum up to say that at this point, I don't think they are. But really fast, Chris Christie called it disgusting. That's good. One of the Republicans can criticize the Nazi language. Again, as you pointed out, in the middle of a time where all the Republicans are using the bombing of Gaza to pretend that they're against anti-Semitism, they have literally no problem with this. Um, and also I wanted to cite NYU history professor Ruth Ben-Ghia, author of the book Strongmen, Mussolini to the present, like in the statements to fascist rhetoric, noting that Benito Mussolini literally talked about killing rats who are bringing infectious diseases and communism into Italy. Yes, so it's not just us, the experts think it as well. Uh, Francesca, any thoughts about, what well, is Nikki gonna criticize him? You know, she could use boost, what do you think? I mean, I think zooming out and just very briefly, this is why we need a real vision to stop and to stop fascism. We need real anti-fascist movements, an Antifa movement, if you will. Um, although maybe not taking that exact tone and contour, but we need we need a vision that can pull us out of this like the sort of again this craven and also like somehow alluring ideology that as long as we hate and exclude um, everybody else that isn't like a white Christian, you know, wealthy person uh, in this country, man, uh, then everything will be all hunky dory. No, we need a real vision. And like, I believe that vision is a multiracial, multi ethnic, multi religious democracy. 
right? The kinds that this country was ostensibly founded on, although Republicans say, no, 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 it should be a Christian nation. Our founding fathers were Christian. No, they explicitly said there was a separation mm-hmm. of church and state. So all I'm saying is we need more than Biden. We need a real movement. We need something to combat this. Otherwise, they got a movement, man. They got vision. Yeah. They've got they've got organizers doing their work. We need that same countervailing force, but for good. Yeah, and, and you know, not too many years ago, we felt like we had at least to start on that, like something that could be built on. And right now, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know who's who's leading that. I don't know who's working that. There, there are things out there, sure. but a movement of the sort that you're talking about, I don't see it right now. And I would love to love to discuss it, bring people on. Anyway, I want to get to some of the other uh, disturbing comments that were made at this speech. Let's jump to this next video. And remember this, Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. He's a threat. And you know, we'll bring in adversaries and I'll bring it in right now. But even Vladimir Putin, has anybody ever heard of Vladimir Putin? Of Russia says that Biden's, and this is a quote, politically motivated persecution of his political rival is very good for Russia because it shows the rottenness of the American political system, which cannot pretend to teach others about democracy. So, you know, we talk about democracy, but the whole world is watching the persecution of a political opponent that's kicking his ass. It's an amazing thing. Again, he continually talks about going after there. They are going after Biden right now and his family. So again, the idea that that's unacceptable as they literally do it is ridiculous. But that video starts off with him projecting onto Biden. Biden is a threat to democracy said by the guy who tried to overthrow the results of a legitimate election mm-hmm. and then ends by literally parroting Russian propaganda designed to destroy American democracy and democracies of many nations. Mm-hmm. It is designed to say, you know, America, which was thought of at least as being this advanced, successful, stable democracy. Nah, that's that's no good. That's no good. So they don't get to be a leader on any of those topics. We can just do whatever we want. And mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin, by the way, is running for president again. He'll be president until literally oh. the day he dies and maybe longer. And Trump thinks that's awesome. Trump is literally parroting a dictator's, again, a different dictator in this case, language to justify turning away from democracy. And as he does it, he pretends that Joe Biden is the one that is destroying democracy. Now, you can criticize Joe Biden. The fact that Joe Biden is presiding over a Democratic Party that's pretending that it doesn't have to conduct primaries, that's effectively mm-hmm. killing the primary process. I think that is totally worthy of criticism. But the idea that that is equivalent to literally trying to murder Mike Pence and overturn the results of elections seems a little ridiculous. Francesca, no. what do you think? And this is where the Republican Party, I think, has been headed for a long time. And it actually is how the Senate is structured, which is completely unrepresentative of the people in this country to say nothing of the Electoral College. But they worship the likes of Viktor Orban in Hungary, right? They worship yep. Xi Jinping. They worship um, these leaders that, yeah, want to be dictators for life, that believe that, as in Orban's case, democracy has failed. These so called quote unquote Western democracies with their, you know, pluralistic societies that are included. Inclusive and you know, um, like you know, inclusive of people of all races and religions and genders and identities. No, no, no. All that has failed. That project has failed. We need to move toward yeah, 
Christian nationalist hegemony, as if that wasn't already the case. Uh, and we just should we should just um, you know lean into that. We should just accept it and embrace it. And that's what the right wants to do in this country. All that other stuff has failed. You just we now it's our turn to do fascism, mm-hmm. and we have to prevent that and stop that. But that's exactly what Putin wants. You know, and and again, this is not to fear monger on Putin's hiding behind every corner. No, 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 no. But that is part of the way that they strategically undermine a lot of you know Western democracies that are yeah. like trying to have free and fair elections. It's like, it's it's different levels of propaganda. This is definitely the ideological level of propaganda convincing you that uh, yeah, democracy is a done deal. Let's just let's just go with fascism now. Uh, by the way, you you cite the the people be like, oh, you're trying to make everything about Vladimir Putin. I didn't put a Putin quote in his teleprompter. That was him and his team. He's the guy who literally quoted Vladimir Putin, okay? You can understand why we would be a little bit concerned about that. We're not, I don't think that, you know, the chalkboard line connecting those two is all that long when he's the one specifically quoting him in his quest to destroy democracy. Now, we're gonna press on with it just a little bit more. This is some very good stuff. So let's jump to this next video. We will restore law and order to our communities, and I will direct a completely overhauled DOJ to investigate every radical, out of control, fake, crooked prosecutor in America for their illegal, racist, in reverse enforcement of the law. I am also going to indemnify all police officers. This is a big thing, and it's a brand new thing, and I think it's so important. I'm going to indemnify through the federal government all police officers and law enforcement officials throughout the United States from being destroyed by the radical left for taking strong actions against crime. Terrifying. Okay, so there's a lot there that I I don't understand. I don't think most rational thinking people understand how exactly that's supposed to work. But the idea is that through whatever mechanism, whether constitutional or not, uh, Trump is going to effectively stop cops, police stations. I don't know law enforcement from being sued, from being brought up on charges. Because right now, dear viewer, you may not know this. It is too easy. For the cops to face charges, consequences when they brutalize people, when they plant evidence, when they, oh, it's, it's gone out of control. They need to be protected. And finally, Trump has got his big new thing where he's gonna protect them from consequences. Obviously, there's a little bit of sarcasm right there. Um, and by the way, if the point of this is not clear enough, the racism in reverse thing really sells it. <laughs> he thinks that cops have not been free enough yet to brutalize people of color and he's going to create some sort of legal mechanism that will make it easier for them to do that without facing any scrutiny. Francesca. This is terrifying. This is by far the most terrifying point I think in this rally speech thus far. Because we remember, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was it was a pretty hefty, I'm, th- I'm thinking we flirted with 30% of the January 6th rioters having either been in law enforcement or the military or currently in the active military or law enforcement from around the country. Like this is where this whole like you crazy progressive leftists talking about your fascism are really on one. No, we're not. See, because that's how it happens. When you actually have the military under your control or people who are former military who are armed to the teeth, 
you know, your effective brown shirts, which he did have in, you know, in in the in the Proud Boys on January 6th. Like we keep on saying we won't that won't happen again, but how? How are we actually protecting ourselves? And and especially especially when we also have a current president who believes that any attempts at real change in police forces across this country to make sure that that there aren't like white supremacists within the ranks and part of that is making sure there's accountability because honestly this is where like racists go to hide so they can like crack skulls of black americans right like what are we doing on a national mm-hmm. level to pivot away from that to de-radicalize to i mean Guys, we see what's what happens. You know, Israel is a very different case, but the right in this country worships Israel because they the, the military and civil society are one in the same, right? It is a very militaristic society in large part. And they love that for this country. They want yeah. that for this country. And that is something that terrifies me and should terrify everybody that we do not want. Um, so Man, again, speaking of another vision, another ideology, we really need to rethink how the police and how the military are treated in this country. And I don't mean like they don't care about vets. Sorry to go off. They don't care about veterans. They don't care about taking care of them if they after sending them off to fight wars. They don't care about PTSD. They don't care about the VA. No, they want to privatize that. They want to rescind people's medications. They want to, you know, whatever. They want to ignore their mental illness, especially if they're homeless. Oh, screw that. How many vets are homeless? How many vets commit suicide every day? No, no, no. That's all real stuff. They just want them yeah. as emblems for strong men and authoritarianism. Yeah, well, again, I would say the 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 vets, so the cops in a lot of cases, remember how they treated the cops that weren't in the crowd on January 6th are much like, they're like babies. They're not people, they're tools, they're rhetorical right. tools, maybe weapons to be deployed against out groups. And then once they've accomplished their goal, that's it. Let alone if they ever turn against the regime, then instantly bash their head in with a flagpole. They're not actually people worthy of respect. They're tools to be deployed for your political ends. Now, I, I, I Mike, I apologize, but I want to play the last video because it ties into the hypocrisy as well as the focus on changing law enforcement. Let's jump into the Selena Haba video. That is what they do. They hide what they've done by going after Trump. Look at the shiny ball, everybody. Don't look at us. Well, they've got one year, and then we're going to be looking at them deep and hard. And I'll tell you right now, if I'm in Washington, I'll be relentless too. That's Alina Haba, who. I believe is a real estate lawyer. Why exactly she would be investigating Democrats in Washington, I don't know. I also don't know why she's speaking at that rally. When was the last time you saw the lawyer for a president or a presidential candidate giving stump speeches? A little bit weird, it gives you a little bit of an idea of what they see the role of these people. They're part of a performance, a show, a fascist TV program. And that's what she's there for, to say there's we're investigating Trump as a shiny ball to distract from our own failures as they literally try to impeach Biden and cannot even explain what it's for. And something something Hunter Biden too. So again, utter projection. They're yes. literally just saying what their strategy is while also tell, reminding us as if we needed a, rec, a reminder that if they get into office, that's what they're going to deliver 
for the people that put them there, not economic gains, not an improvement to the quality of the life, uh, demonization and persecution of Democrats. That's that's all they're literally promising, Francesca. Yeah, and it's incredible to call him a shiny ball. Um, obviously, he's sort of a deflated, little, little scruffy. You know what? But no, um, he's been chewed up by the dog. Um, yeah, but he is a distraction. He's a distraction for Republicans as they continue their massive wealth transfer from the poor to the rich in the form of tax breaks. And as they put all of their stooges who are basically paid for by the billionaires of this country in the highest court in the land. So speaking of a distraction, I mean, what a Trojan horse Trump was, is, and has turned out to be for the right. You know, they can, you can Liz Cheney this all you want. You can disown Trump a man. He's given you everything you ever wanted. Oh, is it a little fashy? It's funny mm-hmm. because it's almost like that was really your coded language this entire time. The language of Reagan, the language of Nixon. Trump's just all those people, as I've said, exhumed and stitched together and come to life using lightning. It was very disgusting. I like the sci-fi turn at the end there. I appreciate yeah, you doing that in terms that I can understand. Thank you. Anyway, um, look, we, we can laugh. We can laugh at her very purposefully using the term, the the phrase "deep and hard." There, she fully understands conservative men, that audience, and what role she's supposed to play. But uh, we should be very worried about the willingness of so many people to. It's not just Trump doing this. It's it's people like Alina Haba, who I like. I, I asserted that she was a real estate lawyer. I looked it up. She like worked as a, a lawyer for her husband's uh, parking garage company. She like defended students looking to get their tuition back from universities they think defraud. But then, oh my God, there's an opportunity to be a part of this movement. I can elevate myself by clinging on to this fascist persecution that they're setting up. This is how a democracy falls, not because of one overinflated blowhard, but because of a willingness of a bunch of people who know better or should know better to help dig the grave for a democracy. We're gonna take our first break, everyone don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. I'm not, I'm not a candidate. <laughs> <laughs> my kids would say, that's my jam. Dramatic news in the GOP primary. That Trump right over there, he's been very busy lately posting polls on Truth Social. He always does that, and today was no exception. Um, he was posting this one showing him leading in the Nevada caucus. He's up by 60 points on Ron DeSantis. So you can understand why he'd be enthusiastic about that. You'll also probably understand why he weirdly left one of the polls out. For some Ooh. reason, he didn't post. This one, now I don't know why, let's see if we can figure it out. Maybe it's because of the dramatic tightening of the New Hampshire GOP primary. This is by the way, this is a CBS News poll. It's not some random 4chan user putting this together or whatever. We will see if it's an outlier, but they have been tracking this over time. So it's not one random poll, this is a comparison to a prior version of this exact poll. And in it, the lead that Trump has, has been reduced over Haley in second place by 24 points in just three months, four months at this point. Trump is still up. He's got 44% to Haley's 29, but she has rocketed up more than doubling her support, racing past Ron DeSantis, who's actually lost a couple of points. Chris Christie's at about 10, he's doing okay. Ramaswamy, 
apparently conspiracy theories are not the key to support in New Hampshire for some reason. Um, but anyway, she is she is jumping up there. And by the way, there that maybe even hides her new level of support. Because if you look at this next one, which also he did not post on True Social, those who are considering or might vote for a candidate, Haley has now eclipsed Donald Trump in that. So many more are saying they will vote for her, and far more than that are saying that they're considering voting for her, even over Donald Trump. Francesca, are we seeing the rise of Dark Nikki? Oh yeah. I mean, she would really uh, like argue with that characterization. Uh, she wants to remind you uh, she is definitely white aspiring and not actually Indian American. Um, but um, yeah, she's been rising thanks to you know Koch brother money and other like actual dark money um, supporting her, some right wing billionaires. She is, but it is an interesting moment. Like, and I think, and this is where I will say, it does matter here that it's not DeSantis, it's not Ramaswamy, right? It's someone mm -hmm. who is a career politician who does have more experience, whose language is far more tempered when it comes to things like, let's say, abortion rights. She has said, yeah, I'm for a federal ban, but it will never happen. A little bit, i.e., I'm not gonna push for it, right? Yeah. She is a more tempered back to kind of like old school conservative Republican. Now, I obviously Trump is still leading. But it's not insignificant that this is number two. It shows also that I think some of the people who voted for Biden, because there is a Republican in the race that is, again, doesn't have 91 criminal counts hanging over him and is actually like making some sense and his brains like their brain, her brain is you know in her skull, like she's yeah. a lot more appetizing. And I think it, it it is not insignificant that this is the person. It's not fake anti-woke Ron DeSantis. It's not, you know, Trump wannabe Ramaswamy, Snicky mm -hmm. Haley. Yeah, and she, by the way, she's not the person that I would pick. I think Chris Christie is more reasonable than her and also still more willing to criticize Trump. She started to do that a bit more, remembering that she was the person who didn't wanna kick sideways. Um, and also, let's bear in mind, she would be a disaster on foreign policy. She is, like they said, she's Dick Cheney, basically. Um, but she at least seems to think that government is a serious thing. She seems to think that knowing what's going on matters. She comes to, what, from my point of view, many of the wrong conclusions on these issues, and she's wildly, um, you know, out of line with, uh, you know, current American thought about things like abortion, as you pointed out. But. She isn't, as you say, she's not Ramaswamy, she's not Ron DeSantis. And so, I don't know, I like to see this. They're like, It's not everything, as I showed you in Nevada, he's still up by a ton over number two in Iowa. Mm -hmm. He's still doing, Donald Trump is still beating Ron DeSantis, but she has got some big billionaire backers. They're, they're running ads, they've got people in the field. And as more of these start to come out, if she wins in New Hampshire is a very close second, then you could see a boost going in to future um, uh, elections. So stay tuned uh, for that. But right now, if you want to get ready with Graphic Five, uh, we need to we need to talk about one other aspect of this. Uh, another week, more polls for Joe Biden, and suddenly the polls are looking bad. Still, really, really bad. His approval rating has fallen to the lowest level since he took office. It's at 34%. Independents have him at 24% approval. And Trump, oddly enough, now has the largest lead 
ever in the real clear politics polling average over Joe Biden. So, and look at the blue line on that thing, just nose diving. But I don't want you to worry too much because there's dramatic news in this area. Joe Biden now is reportedly increasingly frustrated by his dismal poll numbers. So what are we all worried about? He's mad too. He's not doing anything, he's not changing anything, but he's angry about it, Francesca, and I guess that's something. Gee, I wonder what's changed in the last two months. Could it be him acting like a complete Republican when <laughs> it comes to you know co-signing and sponsoring and even asking for more money for this war on Gaza? It is again, he's worse than Republican. Even Republicans have soured on like spending endless money on endless wars abroad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say like, especially Republicans in power, like we must support Israel, but the base people are scratching their heads and they have been since George W. Bush on why we spend so much money abroad and why we can't make ends meet here at home. Like this was the absolute wrong move. And look, I if I'm his advisor, I mean, hell, I'm asking him to call for ceasefire on, you know, a week after this or immediately after October 7th and to exercise restraint and whatnot. They've said that only in knowing full well that they're just continuing to give Israel a blank check. But I don't think it's too late for him to turn this around, but he's got to do a, I'm talking a 180. And mm -hmm. I don't see that happening specifically on this issue, issue of Israel and Gaza. I don't see him saying, I was wrong. This has gone on, this has gone on far too long. We're going to redirect funds to helping Palestinian society. We are withholding funds from Israel until they allow humanitarian, uh, full humanitarian aid and stop the bombing immediately. We're going to stop arming them. We're going to, like, whatever it is. He's yeah. not willing to put the brakes on. He's not willing to, you know, pull on the leash, so to speak. And so here we are. He's mad. Oh, fooey. I wonder what it could be. Yeah, no, you're, you're, it's a great read on this particular issue. But I think the general issue is, I don't, I don't know what he's doing now, let alone what he wants to do if he gets in office again. Like, I obviously don't want Trump to become president. I think that much is clear. So don't come at me like you're trying to take down Biden. What, what are three things he wants to do with a second term? Three specific things over four years as president. I don't know. I honestly don't know. And if he's not willing to come up with the plan or publicize the plan or address all these issues people are worried about, there is still time mm -hmm. for him to step down and let someone else run. Probably yes. not the person I would choose. There's a whole bunch of Democratic governors that I don't love that are more likely to end up taking that spot than like a Bernie Sanders or something. But at least they might be willing to fight for this thing. Yes. Considering the stakes. Okay, with that said, we have to take our second break of the hour. But when we come back, more news. If you're just joining us now, please hit that like button because we've got more to talk about starting with this. So I say that on that last debate stage to a bunch of Republicans that are shaking in their boots. These are the things you're not supposed to say in the Republican Party even today. And then you get the mainstream media. You got this character Van Jones on CNN afterwards saying, this is the rise of an American demagogue who's going to live 50 years longer than Trump. This is dangerous. I am shaking. That's what he says. <laughs> Just shut the f up. <laughs> 
at a certain point, just shut the f up. Van Jones at CNN. Yeah, it says a lot about the audience that that drew a positive reaction. Van jo look, I don't agree with Van Jones on quite a bit, by the way, but I think he is right to criticize Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy is an intelligent guy who knows exactly what grift he is running, literally on the people cheering him right there. Mm -hmm. His embrace of conspiracy theories that he definitely doesn't believe in, his embrace of people like Alex Jones that he definitely looks down on. He did it knowingly to get people like that to cheer for him. And Van Jones does what any reasonable person has to, which is to criticize him. And his response is, shut the F up. And everyone in the audience lost it. That's not clever. That's not like a burn. You can say that in response to literally any comment. It takes no thought. It takes no intelligence. Why were they freaking out, like bruising their hands to cheer for that? And why is that appealing at all? We were talking about this in the production meeting, Francesca. But um, like if Bernie Sanders responded to insane, let's say insane criticism of him, and I like Bernie, with just shut the F up, I'd think, okay, what else you got? Mm -hmm. The standards are so low on that side. But what do you think? I mean, I do think it's an interesting tactic just in general to go after pundits and, you know, people who speak about you in your campaign, right? Like normally, I think a lot of politicians rise above that. I think Bernie Sanders, you've never heard him on in a stump speech um, say, you know, and then CNN said I was a socialist. Like we almost wanted him to because he actually believes in, you know, things like democracy and like helping, you know, the poor and working class and all, you know, all the stuff. But like, it's a very, it's a right wing tack, right? It's a right wing tack to pull out. Now, Van Jones, he is a pretty big celebrity. He can take it. It's fine. But again, Trump is tweeted at, you know, random journalists, right? He's destroyed yeah. people's lives and careers. One of those people actually was Megyn Kelly, ironically, who's sort of, you know, comes back for more when it comes to the far right, demonizing her. But um, I do think that what Ramaswamy has said is scary. I don't think he's gonna continue to be a threat. I think his star will fade after this. But he has said things that are terrifying to me. I think one of the things he said was the nuclear family is the greatest organizing force in the nation or in the world. And that is very chilling. That is the most like handmaid's tale ass crap you could say. Like mm -hmm. it is very like as long as you've got, and obviously he means a straight heterosexual, you know, man, woman, children, organizing force against who? Against women, yeah. right? Against yeah. women. Yeah. Oh, that reminded me of a clip that we're not unfortunately gonna be able to play today, but um. Yeah, look, uh, he got his feelings hurt because someone like Van Jones, who knowing who Ramaswamy is, the fact that he was a Democrat a couple of years ago, he definitely has a very high opinion of his own intelligence. He probably watched Van Jones for years. He probably admired Van Jones. And when Van Jones responds to the person that Vivek has to play on TV by criticizing him, it probably hurts what Vivek thinks of as his true self. The mm -hmm. person inside of the grift, who's better than all of this stuff that he has to say, but he's a mastermind working people from behind the curtain or whatever. It hurts his feeling that a guy that he respects would criticize him. But this is who Ramaswamy wants us to think of him as, a guy who pretends to believe nonsense about false flags and vaccines and climate change and great replacement theory and all of that stuff. Well, 
He also wants to be accepted, I'm sure, by all the people he used to venerate. And you can't have both of those. You get the admiration of morons like those in the crowd. That's what you get. And nothing better than that. Maybe Marjorie Greene will hug you someday. That's what you get for the mm -hmm. grift that you're running. Anyway, unfortunately, I would love to play Megyn Kelly, but we don't have time. I think we need to move on to this final story. So why don't we do that? Really horrifying updates on the tragic story of the three Israeli hostages who were mistakenly killed by Israeli troops. We now find out that they were apparently holding a stick with a white piece of cloth and shouted help in Hebrew before they were shot with all this information coming from the IDF. The victims have been identified, Yotam Haim, Samer Talalka and Alan Shamriz, um, you know, all taken back on October 7th, uh, experienced almost certainly absolutely horrific treatment, and then eventually abandoned, left desperately in need of help, and then unfortunately and tragically killed by those who should have been there to save them. Uh, it is, by the way, the first time that the IDF has actually acknowledged their role in accidentally killing hostages, although Hamas has previously said that hostages have been killed during the bombardment in Gaza and is almost certainly the case in even more cases than that. But apparently they, according to IDF spokespeople, were able to either escape or were abandoned. And apparently they were walking together without shirts, according to the IDF. It appeared that the three men were aware that they might be recognized by soldiers as Hamas militants. And therefore, they took steps to try to make clear that they were hostages, like waving the white cloth. Two of them were apparently shot by a sniper at a distance. The third managed to escape into a building, fleeing IDF forces. When soldiers came close to the building, the hostage shouted help in Hebrew. A battalion commander told the soldiers to hold their fire, but some of them shot at the hostage and killed him. By the way, apparently a couple days earlier in that area, IDF officials had found the words SOS and help three hostages written on the walls in the area where they would later be killed. IDF officials said the assessment was that this was a deception attempt by Hamas. So those hostages managed to escape after experiencing utter horrors and then just desperate to be rescued, but fearful of what might happen took multiple precautions to try to save their own lives, and they were killed. Not even all in one attack, but one survived seeing the two people that he was with be killed by their own side, fleeing, desperately hoping that he would be saved and was still gunned down. Again, despite literally waving a white flag. Francesca, what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's completely devastating, and I think it clues you into the way the IDF operates. You know, we are being told that the IDF takes pains to avoid civilian casualties, uh, especially people who are unarmed, right? Shouting in Hebrew. I'm sorry, the American police might like a word, right? Like this is the kind of stuff you see here. Like, are you this? I'm sorry, how have they not been told or trained that there could be hostages in the area? They're shouting in Hebrew, you think it's a trap? You think a Hamas fighter trained in Hebrew, which they don't speak, has an impeccable Hebrew accent, screaming help without a shirt and a white flag, and you snipe them to death? Like wild. Wild story, and it clues you into how little the IDF cares about human life, including the lives of Israeli hostages. Yeah, and look, even if you want to just talk about outside this particular case, like 
this is the situation that has been created with the strategy by the Israeli military as it's been prosecuted. That on the one hand, maybe hostages are being blown to pieces, crushed in buildings that are being bombed. It's almost certainly the case and is horrible to even think about. But then even with the free movement of soldiers, they can't be saved when they are either abandoned or heroically free themselves from their captivity. Just absolutely, I cannot imagine what the families and friends of those hostages must be thinking right now. All they had done for months now is desperately hope that their loved one could be returned to them. And now to find out that not only did they die, but in this particular almost unthinkable way. And by the way, I want to remind everyone, um, you know, I'm sure sometime this week we'll be talking about new updated numbers for those, those civilians who've been killed in Gaza. But there was one particular story that I saw in the New York Times of one particular clan in Gaza that has lost more than 100 members, an extended family unit effectively that has mm -hmm. lost dozens and dozens and dozens of members. I don't even, I literally do not know what to say in light of that. The horror that is being, that's not in the past. We're not just looking back on what has happened. It is still happening, literally as we broadcast. Bombs are being dropped, people are being shot, people are fleeing their homes. If there's anyone left to flee their homes, since more than 90% already have had to. It, 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 like, it's just our job to follow things like this, mm -hmm. and yet it reaches a point where literally nothing can prepare you for the cosmic scale of the human horrors that are that are playing out right now. Absolutely, I, I would just ask, Francesca. Just don't turn away, you know, and keep calling. You know, I know Congress is taking their recess. Let's call, leave messages, write letters. Um, the the thing we can do for Gazans is not forget them and yeah. to continue to protest. Hundred percent. Okay, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for the first hour of the show. There's a lot more to come in the aftermath, everybody. So assuming you're watching live, we'll see you on the other side.